Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hey, Clam. Hey. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Hamilton has continued to just inject itself into our lives on a daily basis. No, I'm here actually to tell you, because normally this is when you hear Mary, I'm here to tell you that I've actually switched basically everything in my life to Castle Mass. Yes, everything, but especially their shave soap. I mean, nothing else touches my skin when I shave. Nothing. Nothing. Not even Mary. Doesn't even touch my skin. And you want to make your husband... Or your partner happy. This is why I, this is why I'm telling you about this. Okay. Okay. You want to make your husband and your partner happy? Get him the number six shave soap. Get do it. It's the best thing that's ever happened. I'm not kidding. It's incredible. So I promise. I promise you, he will be happy, and he will never ever go back to anything else. So to experience a truly close shave, and for thirty percent off your entire order, I want you to go ahead and visit CaswellMassey.com and enter the uh, coupon code OutlanderCast when you go to check out. Hello, everybody. This is Cheryl P. from Stockton, California, and you're listening to Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Hello, everybody. <sighs> hey, everyone. I, is anyone else having like sad senioritis? In case you don't know by now, I'm like a hardcore nerd. So when senior time came in high school, not as much in college. College, I was ready. But by high school, like senior time, I was really starting to get a little sad. And like every single morsel of moments that I could have with my friends, I was just cherishing. And That's so, not senioritis. No, I know it's like my senioritis. Oh. Like I know most people like can't wait to be done, but Nerd! but the Mary senioritis is like hold on tight, spider monkey to every single little moment that you possibly can. So in case you're new here, hi, hi, how's it going? <laughs> I'm holding on to every single morsel. My name is Blake. You had regular senioritis. I had I had wicked regular senioritis. I, I was done. I I was cooked. I would say, like after the first. Five weeks of senior year in high school. I was done. Goodbye. See you <laughs> first later. First five weeks. First five weeks. You made it done. to October and you were like done. Yep. Had enough. Good like, for you. Like I enjoyed high school. I had fun doing it and whatever. Yeah. But like I was cooked. Like okay. get me out of here. Let me go on. But and that's I, not I, how we're feeling about Outlander this season. No. This month. This time. This portion of this series. My goodness gracious. Can we please just take a pause moment? We're, we're doing like the full Yoda. We're holding on with our last little bit of fingernails. You know the how we did Yoda. in episode oh, I know, three. I know. And it was I know. scratching and everything. Poor thing. Poor Hold thing. on tight, Yoda. Poor, poor thing. Poor thing. Poor thing. But here we are. <laughs> we're here. And this, of course, is the listener feedback episode. When we Can't have when we have hear. all the fun. 
We have so much fun. Agenda free. This but, listen to feedback. But before we episode. get into this, if you're brand new, hi, welcome. The water's just fine. Watch you hop right in. Hop right on in. We would love for you to uh, follow, subscribe, do all the things. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, your podcast app of choice. All you got to do is just search OutlanderCast and we'll pop right on up. We also know that Droughtlander is coming. I know. That's pretty much like a swear. I probably said that and you might have started to cry. Yeah, shh, don't Maybe say Maybe you word. were like, Mary, what are you talking about? But seriously, guys, February is going to come. February is like one of my worst months of the year in general. Oh, Anyone seasonal else depression. Seasonal- <laughs> I have it bad. Every single year. So doesn't help that Droughtlander is coming, but let's be real. This season of Outlander is so fun. I'm just going to keep rewatching it. But nonetheless, don't know. Don't worry because we're going to keep we're going to keep rocking and rolling. Outlander cast is going to still be here in Droughtlander. So just make sure that you're keeping your eyes on Outlander cast. So make sure you follow us. Make sure you hit subscribe. That way you can keep up to date with everything. And in the meantime, if you like the show, this is us. We do a podcast called This Is Us Too. And This Is Us starts back up next week. So if you've been watching the show and you're like, I like these jabronis from Rhode Island, it's a shorter episode. It's a very different format. We would love for you to take a listen. So you can check out all of our blogs, events, giveaways, everything else we do at Mary and Blake Media. And it's a really easy website. You guys ready for this? Mary and Blake. Com. That's it, MaryandBlake.com. It didn't always. It wasn't always that because some like jabroni had a wedding website, oh, MaryandBlake.com, yeah. and we were like, oh, it was MaryandBlake.co, oh, which is like not the same. It's <laughs> not, the, not same. the same. And then finally, like years passed, and they let their wedding website. Oh, I was watching. I had it on note. <laughs> I, I had it. On, I had. I had a notification set up that when that thing was finally released by these two jabronis, they were probably very sweet people. No, they might I doubt be it. Listeners. No, I, I doubt it. I doubt it. They they probably suck. They stole my. URL. Little did they know. Marion. <laughs> There's some other Marion Blake out there. Congratulations on your on your wedding. Yeah, like five years, years ago. ago. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Marion Blake, you suck. You no, stole my stop, URL. Stop. No, no. All right, it's let's okay. get into it. Let's just play the music. It happens. You're so rude. All right, all right, all right. Let's jump into the website feedback. Wait, do you remember what movie that's from now? Still forget. You still forget. Whatever. Dazed and confused. Yep, there you go. <laughs> I think I may have to download that as as our new drop. A new drop for all right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, this one comes from the website, outlandacast.com. Sherry Riley chimes in, says... Hey, Mary and Blake, I have to admit that there were more positive than negatives in this episode. Having said that, though, there were a couple of issues I need to expound on for my conscience sake. Oh, do tell. One, disappointed to see that the lion's share of blame being dumped on Jamie for his choices that brought on the wrath of Brianna. There were others that share the responsibility for this fiasco, including Roger himself. Brianna lied to Jamie when he asked her if she knew the man who attacked her. Mm -hmm. Well... No, I don't think that she lied. She didn't know that who attacked her. No, she her. totally know. Ian laid it all out. He was like, while you were gone, Bray, here's the entire backstory on this bad man called Bonnet. I'm just saying, she knew who it was. Like, she, whatever, it doesn't matter. Claire should have never kept that promise to withhold the information about Bonnet from Jamie. Also, when she told Jamie that Brianna had been raped, she never told him that she was handfasted to Roger and that they had sex before she was raped. Misinformation from her and Lizzie caused a bad situation to go downhill fast. And let's not forget the originator the originator of this entire process, 
one Stephen Bonnet. And I can only hope that this fractured situation can be mended in the three episodes remaining for season four, because it would be torture to live through another, that swear word, Droughtlander, with these issues unresolved. My other concern is about the story of Roger and Caleb. Caleb was the other prisoner of the Mohawk who died a few days into the journey north. Yeah, I was like, who the hell is Caleb? It could might as well have been Germain. <laughs> Luke Skelhaas should have spent a few minutes expanding on his background instead of showing a bunch of running montages when Roger was evading capture at the end of the episode. Oh, the running. You wanted to feel sad at the death, but unfortunately, Caleb became an extra without any emotional connection. Uh, time out. Mary, do you agree with this, or do you think that he was just some jabroni that died and we're moving on? The show made it some jabroni. Do you think the show was right in doing that or what you liked more from Caleb? I'm all set with Caleb. I'm kind of all set with Caleb. I don't have too. enough time. I've only got 13 episodes. It just shows you that, you know, they, they take these people and they run them into the ground and if they die, they die. And if they don't, they don't. I, I kind of agree with Mary on this one. The only reason why I even found this out his name was from listening to the official Outlander podcast for episode 410, where Matt Roberts and Luke Skelhaas discussed the episode and the decisions they made based on time limitations. So, I give this episode four and a half kilts based on the disjointed reasoning for some of the choices made by the writer and director in putting this together. Hopefully, if not for hope, will bring some resolution to some of the fractures made in the family dynamic in this episode. Looking forward to watching Billy Boyd from the Fellowship of the Ring series next week. He plays a lawyer who wants to marry Brianna, apparently. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. All right. Linda wrote it in the website saying, I'm not usually very good at analyzing movies and TV shows. I tend to judge and how they make me feel. Oh, hold. Time out. Yeah. Bam. Just like that. A winner. That is the most important thing you could ever say whenever you're watching TV. It doesn't matter all this gunk that I talk about or you talk about, Mary. It's how does it make you feel? That is the most important thing. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> I finished watching 410 at 1 a.m. on Sunday morning and sat for a full minute feeling stunned. Then all I could say was, wow, just wow, that was phenomenal. Argument and all. An overwhelming five kilts. I really don't know why, but I haven't felt so emotionally and intimately connected to every event in an episode since the wedding. It drew me in. The first Jamie Bree scene, Jamie's Will You Walk With Me, that took me back to Hellwater and John Gray. Oh. The family gatherings we don't get to see enough of. Toilets that flush. The fight where everyone in the room shared the blame for Roger's fate. My favorite line, you do not get to be more angry than me. And let's not forget, Roger, actual ordeal. I think we, we really need to see what he went through. There was no good or bad for me. Just everything was great. Some observations from the podcast, which is awesome as usual. Thank she you. says, there are rhododendrons in the UK. There were a huge thicket of them where I lived as a child. Would not be surprised to find them in Scotland too. It says number two. Uh, sorry, I'm a bit done with Ian. No, he is not cute. At this point, he's supposed to be 19. John Bell is still playing him really immature. Time to grow up. Oh, Linda. Linda. I think Ian's always cute. Um, and her third point is totally agree. The acting this season has been, been amazing. I would really like to talk about the Brie hate fest I discovered on Facebook the next morning. I usually scroll by all the negative comments, but this week they really got me. To those who claim they have a right to their opinion and that this is a discussion thread, I would would say it was not a discussion whoa 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 this is i didn't know there's a brie hate fest apparently there was guys <laughs> guys you know no. here's what i just need to say before you know linda's got a point like chill out 
And also, I'm just going to say it. This is a book. Yeah, it's a TV this show. It's a TV show. Let's calm down. Hate fests. Simmer down now. <laughs> All right, Renee. Uh, okay, Renee chimes in. She says, I agree that this is the best season since season one. Great story, great moments, great emotions, great suspense. I always thought I liked the first half of Voyager better, but the TV version has me really fall in love with drums. And I give this episode 4.7 kilts. Uh, time out real quick. Yeah. That first half of season three was so good. Right. Like it was, it was like. Scotland, man. I'm telling you. It was incredible. That that first half between the whole Claire and Frank thing and then the Jamie thing. It didn't thing make and- you feel good. That was the problem with season three. I've really been able to delve in it now that I'm having a real joyous time with season four. Yes. Like bad things happen in these episodes. There is rape. There is like pulverization of Roger's poor face. You know, there's... there's is pulverization a real word? I just made it up, I think. You know, for- It might actually be a real word. Let me look it up. Um, pulverization. Let's find out if Mary's... <gasps> the pulverizer... To pulverize. Pulverization is a word. Wow. Yay! Okay. I, I retract the bell. And this is why I got better SAT scores. <laughs> <laughs> you so, ran. You know what? Everyone runs into one every once in a while. And you, you ran into that one. So anyway, um, what I'm trying to say is that the great thing that season four has had is we literally have had hashtag all the feels. You know, we have these moments of joy where people are reunited, where we've been able to see these beloved characters. They get the family dinners. We get the fun. We get the whiskey making and then there's something bad whereas in season three it was Culloden it was Jamie hiding in a cave it was Jamie being imprisoned and Claire and Frank never meshing just right. like complete awkward well like trying to but then but like, it was never me like you never finish an episode being like gosh darn it I feel like singing to butterflies yeah <laughs> Because that's how I feel with a lot of these episodes. I'm like, man, I just want to go on Fraser's Ridge and feed Clarence and just scratch right behind Clarence's ears. Like, that's what I want to do. And I never really felt like that with a lot of season three, Mm -hmm. you know, while they were apart. It doesn't mean that it wasn't good. I just didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? No, I agree. And like, I, I always felt like that scene in the kitchen in the premiere between Frank and Claire was one of those perfectly written scenes. Yeah. It perfectly explained the first half of season three. Like, they're trying to make it work, and it's just so awkward, and then it just turns into a big fight. I loved the first half of season three. Um, but because of how quality this season four has been so far overall, mm-hmm. it's a better than season three. Do you know what I mean? No, I get it. Uh, Yep. Okay, so the good. Everyone brought their A game to every scene this episode. They were all fantastic. I really loved Roger breaking down in tears as he realized his choice, and I think that the episode would have ended better at that moment than cutting to black as he reaches out to the stone. I agree that they're reaching out to the stone. I loved it. Well, no, I mean, I like that they did that, but they've already done it. Like They've already done so many things already in this episode in previous episodes, the cutting to black and the and and the the stone and looking up and all that other stuff, it doesn't mean that it wasn't good. It's just it's just familiar for Outlander. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The bad. And I could walk five hundred miles, but we don't need to see every step. I mean, this felt reminiscent of Claire's jungle excursion and Bree's trek through Scotland. Both times were good and important, but could have been shortened by a few minutes to make way for something else. Mm -hmm. And the great was the nightmare. 
We've been hearing about Bree's nightmares and her crying in the night, but this time we got to experience it. And I cringed and felt her horror and could imagine her panic as Roger morphed into Bonnet. Also, I love that you guys are now watching the preview during the Listener Feedback back episode. It's so cool to hear you react oh, to thank you. while it's fresh. And we will be doing that yes. at the end the of conclusion. this episode. So the conclusion. It will be coming back. Okay, on Facebook. Facebook, wow. <laughs> That's what happens when you drink seltzer water. It gets a little bubbly in that effervescent. Lori, Faith, Faith <laughs> Lori Beth Kurtia says, Hey, Blake Larson, you're not allowed to ring the shame, Bell and Mary, for mixing up Roger and Ian's names. We knew who she meant when you, Mista, have said South Carolina instead of North Carolina about 50 times in the podcast this season. <laughs> I was going to let it slide, but I think you owe North Carolinians an apology. No, I'm not one myself, but I do love to vacation there. I apologize for nothing. Wait, hold on a second. I I... apologize for nothing. You want to know what's something funny? What's that? Is that I actually got a message from somebody on Facebook telling me the same thing, and I wonder if it's the same person. It probably is. <laughs> I don't think so. Listen, I, I agree that I've said South Carolina. Nope. Julie, Julie Gorig, she too has written to me personally and said, can you please ask right to write in the show notes that Fraser's Ridge is in North Carolina? <laughs> like, people are listening to you. I don't know how I keep missing it. I, I, I I'm don't, a zone out. Well, let me say this, okay? In my defense. No, right? there's no defense. No, no, there is defense. Up north and south. There is defense. No, nope. please, please allow me to just propose a defense. We're all listening with like judgy eyes right There's, now. The, everyone's got judgy eyes. Okay, is I under- this going to be like a long thing? Because no, we no, no, really no. all don't really care no. that you keep messing it up. We're just asking. Please get the facts straight. Well, first, fine. Let me play my <laughs> own. Okay. There you go. Shame. Fine. I'll there take you it. Go. I will own it. I apologize for nothing, though. What I will say. <laughs> what I will say is that my sister just moved to South Carolina, okay? And it's in my brain. It's constantly on my brain for one reason or another. It's not on my so whenever brain I hear Car- I- <laughs> <laughs> Mary may or may not have somewhat of a contentious relationship with my sister. It's all good, guys. It's all good. <laughs> Implicit in that, too, that, by the way, is that I actually have a relationship with my sister, and I don't, but... um. My sister just moved to South Carolina, so it is on my brain. So whenever I hear Carolina, I'm thinking South Carolina because she just moved there. Bye, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, continue. <laughs> Before we get in trouble. I'm, a, I'm always in trouble. Constantly in trouble. So that's that's why I keep saying South Carolina. I apologize for that. I admit it is North Carolina. And it's like a, it's a, it's a bad habit now. All right, Julie Schrader uh, chimes in. She says, "I agree with Blake one hundred percent on the overwriting of this episode. I frequently call it timeline syndrome to the reference the two thousand three film. Wow, holy smokes! Nerd! That is." That is some legit nerd stuff right there, where it first became painfully clear to me that the screenwriters assume that the audiences are dumb as stumps. I mean, to borrow from Blake again, show me, don't tell me. Yes, exactly. That is commandment number one, show, don't tell. The visual of the ring on the table was more than enough. These actors have all been praised this season for their ability to convey so much with the quirk of their mouth or the an arched eyebrow. Let them do their job and let their work stand on its own. 
to reinforce those tiny perfect touches with excess dialogue basically screams, hey, do you get it yet? At an audience that already got it. And it insults them with the assumption that they just didn't get it. And what she means by the timeline movie, which, by the way, if you ever get a chance to to watch it, don't because it's a terrible movie. But Gerard Butler's in it. And Gerard Butler has this line of, it was me toward the end of the film. (laughs) It's the tomb featuring a man with a missing ear has been prominent since the establishing shots at the start of the movie. And you just had your ear cut off and you're currently holding the wounded spot. We all know that it was you, bro. Shut up already. (laughs) So, uh, Julie, thank you for that amazing nerd reference. That is fantastic. Uh, LaVon Brown chimes in and asks... What happens to the animals when everybody is gone from Fraser's Ridge? This is the problem with Fraser's Ridge not having other inhabitants because people are supposed to be checking up on these animals and doing things. All right. Just saying in the books, it's okay. It's, it's okay. okay. What do you mean it's okay? They got peeps. Oh, okay? yeah. They've got, some, they've got some settler friends They you know that check up on things. But in the show, I mean, do they even address it? I'm no, sure they didn't they, address it. They were just like, okay, we're, we're taking off. They were like, we think some girl named Mary's coming. She's been talking <laughs> about coming here for a while. LaVon, I, I, I went. Yeah. It's all good. I took care of it. Clarence and I good. were great. It's all good. <laughs> Churn that butter. So... Blake already like gushed about how, of course, we know the apothecary essentials are amazing with Castle Massey, but the shave essentials, he's digging. Oh, yeah. They offer a variety of straight razors and shave brushes. The, did, I, you know, I used to do the thing with my hand with the, with the, with the shave soap. I, don't, I use the brush from that one. They offer shave accessories to ensure the closest, smoothest shave. And recently, Castle actually at Massey actually added to their line of shave essentials. So brand new, yet true to a real wet shave, their new shave soaps tie the all the whole line together. They're fragranced with their absolute best niche fragrances and blended into a luxurious coconut oil base. Each of these shave soaps, gosh, it's really hard to say five times fast, guys. <laughs> they condition while allowing you or your man to get a truly close shave. To experience a truly close shave, and for 30% off your entire order, you can visit CastleMassey.com, enter the code OutlandaCast when you get to checkout. And make sure you get the number six. The number six is where it's at. Truly. Uh, it's it's perfect. So I'm just going to say, get that and you're going to like it. You'll be happy. All right. Now we're heading on back to the emails. Michael chimed in and said, I have recently joined your Facebook group, Clan Gathering and Book Club. Thank you. In the gathering, I have asked why you call Mary Marvin, and you did reply, thank you. In my question, I had put a reference to the Looney Tunes character, Marvin the Martian. Is Mary on a quest for an elude... Mm. <laughs> I'm so happy you got this one! Eludium? Eludium Q36? Explosive space modulator? Might as well have said Siobhan. How do you say this word? Eludium Q36. Isn't that what I just said? I know, but the way that your brain just came to a halt, it was was just great. It was great. Am I too young to be familiar with the episode of the Bugs Bunny uh, cartoon that introduced Marvin? No, I'm not. I I used to watch Looney Tunes Bugs Bunny as a kid. I'm 35, man. Come on. He is too young, but he watched him. I was uh, so he also says uh, he's from Shawnee, Kansas City. 
uh, which is in greater Kansas City metro area. So if the Patriots come de- come to town during the AFC playoffs, do you want to make a friendly non-financial wager? Absolutely. Of course I do. Oh, goodness. I'm happy to make a friendly non-financial wager. <sighs> and okay. I and whatever we got to do. Okay. Maybe... Uh, Maybe you can send me Let's a case of uh, ribs and I'll send you a case of uh, Sam Adams beer. We're going to go back to Outlander. And he says, go Chiefs. <laughs> no. <laughs> go Pats. Meredith chimed in. She said, I like this episode a lot. I like Mer- Brianna's, why am I saying Meredith? I like Brianna's weighing the possibility of abortion. You do realize, of course, that if the baby does belong to Bonnet, that there's a good chance they can't time travel after he or she is born. Just something for Brianna and us to consider. I liked Murtaugh's reunion with Jocasta. Remember that he was in love with Jamie's mother back in the day. Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't he have a thing for Ellen's sister? But for me, the best part was when Roger found the standing stones. I didn't like the convenience of the stones location, but Richard Rankin's look of anguish was amazing. Totally agree. Claire was given the chance to flee to the stones just after she attacked was attacked in season one. So why wouldn't Roger consider going back to his life as a valid option whether he goes or not there's a good chance he might have to stay when he wants where he wants to which is with brianna just as claire did if that isn't redemption i don't know what is here's a i want to pose that question to you mary do you think stephen bonnet's kid could travel through i mean it still has fraser well it still has like claire's it's claire's blood i mean Claire can travel through because she has she's of that line. Yeah, because Brie can travel, but Jamie right. can't. So right. I agree. But like, that, if th- there's that, like that means it gets halved though. So like she has like that this kid would have like a quarter of Claire's blood in her. You know I what mean, I mean? But Roger has like very little. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I think you're right. If they're a descendant of that particular line, they probably have the ability to travel. So I mean, there, there's a, I think there's a possibility that Bonnet's kid wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, but this is all nonsense anyway. So I mean, it is what it is. It's not nonsense, Blake. It's called Outlander. <laughs> From Julie, she says, uh, "Oh, by the way, this is my favorite email I've gotten in the I whole think, season. I think ever. Oh, ever. Okay." She says, I know that I will get a big fat nerd for this, and you know what? You're right. I've already read this email, so I'm just going to play it right now. She says, because I know how much you love numbers and stats, but that's just how I roll, and I totally identify as a nerd. So, bring it on. Bring it. Blake, you are currently at 76.2% on the being correct of the outlandish theory of the week predictions overall. She's gone back from to every single episode and like categorized... All of my uh, outlandish theories, and has either predicted if I'm, uh, and has either gathered the information if I'm right or wrong or yet undecided. Right? I am right so far, seventy six point two percent of the time, which makes me question how outlandish my predictions really are. However, this also means extra big kudos to Mary for not giving anything away while I, Blake, am doing the predicting. Thank so, you. Here's some more numbers. Oh, my gosh. 73% of the time, my predictions are at least half true. Julie, you're amazing. 17% of the time, I get them completely wrong. Oh, I like that. (laughs) And uh, yes, and she actually has individual scores by podcast episode. We we need to see this. So, uh, yeah, I... This this is is, amazing. This is awesome. 
Julie, this is just, it's so... Thank you, Julie. But nonetheless, Blake, you are 76.2% correct. Yes. That's That's because I'm awesome. And always so humble. So humble. Thank you, Julie. Julie, Thank you. Thank you. This is great. And she she actually says, thanks again for such a great podcast. She loves the community that we have created. No, yes. I mean, we are the progenitors of it. But it's this this kind of stuff, Julie. This kind of stuff where where we can get the nerds down the hall. We, we, We put out the nerd call and nerds answered. To see stuff like this. Yes. It, it, outlandish theory of the week predictions. And and you, as a collective, have created this community. Mm-hmm. So it's all thanks to you guys. We're, we're here doing this because of you. So thank you. Danke, Shane. Dina weighed in and said, wanted to let you know that your comment about this season's directing being a little flat is spot on. You're right, and I agree. I thought I was the only one thinking that. However, in all fairness to the production staff, I think part of that flat feeling comes from Ron Moore taking a back seat from the day-to-day operations of the show. The writers probably have their hands full trying to fill the void that Rob's ab- Ron's absence has left behind. To me, some of the directing elements have seemed very disjointed. However, I think his absence has a lot to do with that disconnected feeling. Some of the writing has seemed all over the place. And in this turn, I believe, it's forced the viewer to piece together certain areas and ideas and actions on their own. So she wanted to know what you thought. Well, I'm going to answer that question by asking you a question, Mary. What do you think? What do you think about that? Guys, I've just been so in love with this season (laughs) that I haven't cared about the directing. I mean, maybe when um, the glimmer has worn off far into Droughtlander, I'll be a little bit more, you know, caring about the directing. But I'm just loving on Fraser's Ridge so much yes. <laughs> <laughs> that um, I haven't seen it. So, Blake, you might have a better answer. It, it, the directing being off because Ron Moore takes a step back. I mean, maybe. I will tell you that when it was announced Matt Roberts was directing the season three finale, mm-hmm. um, huge red flags for me. <laughs> Massive red flags. Uh, not because Matt Roberts is a bad guy or he isn't capable of directing. I'm sure that he is. But you had the likes of Anna Forster coming mm-hmm. in here and directing these massive set pieces and you know these intimate stories at the same time doing the wedding and Wentworth and and everything and both sides now and and I don't I don't know I I just I don't know you know and then we got like I don't know I just I feel like the quality director that they've been getting is maybe has not been as good I mean we we have Jennifer Getzinger who I'm very happy with I think she's Mm -hmm. great And, and maybe it's because Outlander uses directors that are not part of the DGA, the the, the Directors Guild Association. At yep. least that's the way that it was for a while. And maybe that's the case. Um, and maybe they feel like they have so much going on, they need basic direction. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all within the DNA of the show. However, I will say this. I went back, because this kind of bothered me the last episode, I went back and I and I watched some of Outlander from season one. And I will say that the season one direction was much more creative. And then I even tried to compare it to a, a like-minded show. So I went to HBO and mm-hmm. I watched the first episode of that show, John Adams. Okay. 
And if you get a chance, go back and watch John Adams on HBO. It was terrific. A great miniseries. But it was directed by Tom Hooper. Uh, now, if you remember Tom Hooper, he's the guy who directed Les Mis, the movie with uh, uh, Hugh Jackman, mm-hmm. uh, and also The King's Speech. Anyway, Tom Hooper, he takes very basic information and he tells it in a, in a completely interesting way. I mean, like uh, John Adams visiting the soldiers who did the Boston Massacre in jail and just talking about what happened. It, it was viscerally directed, looking through bars and everything. It was just so awesome. And I was like, oh, man, I, I just wish we had this kind of direction for Outlander. So I will say, is it as a result of Ron Moore? I don't know. Probably. Maybe. It, it could be. I mean, maybe maybe Matt and Tony just got their hands full. Maybe maybe they are. She's right here. Maybe they just they're they're too busy trying to run the writers' room, trying to get all the things. They're not actual showrunners, and they're they're trying to. They are now, Blake. I mean, they are now, but like they haven't been. Maybe they're just getting a hold of life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's all possible. All right, OutlanderCastClan dot com. Emily Holtrop says, hi, Miriam Blake. This is Emily hi. from Dayton. Hello. Long-time hello. listener, first-time contributor. Hello, hello. Uh, the kill rating for this episode was 4.7. Like Blake, I'm a tough score, and an episode needs to be spot on to warrant a five kilts. So the good was that she loved Bree and Claire going all girl power on this one, and Bree saying to her mom, you need to go and take control of the situation because I don't trust these idiots. And the bad. I'm not loving Jamie and his jumping to conclusions and thinking the worst of his daughter. He should trust that Claire would not have brought her up to say something that happened that did not. And I did love Bree saying to him that he doesn't get to be angrier than her, which is so true. The great. And I am with Mary on loving the loving Roger bandwagon. He is one of my favorite characters in the books, and I think he knocked it out of the pack in this week's episode and all season. And while we are talking about Roger, I would like to defend him a little bit in the bad rap he is getting on this show. Roger's from the 20th century. He is used to the 20th century women and acts accordingly. And I think he's perfectly justified in calling Brian her crap. I would expect my sweetie to do so if he was being irrational, if I was being irrational. And when you love each other, you work it out. Yeah, he walked out of the, he walked out, but he came back and he understood the need to cool off. It just feels like Jamie and Roger get unfairly compared. Jamie, the king of men and Roger, the historian wimp. They are products of their times and should be looked at as such. And okay, Roger rant over. But th- thanks again for the show. P.S. I love the GBGs. I do this with my team every week during our staff no meeting. No way. No way. And they each share a GBG for the week and it can be anything. Thanks for the great idea. You, Mary, were the progenitor of that idea. So I will give Mary all the credit. Thank you. Mary, this one's for you. That's how I roll, guys. Janice Van Dyke says, Mary, you have a beautiful speaking voice. (laughs) Thank you, Janice. (laughs) That's very kind of you. Angela Hickey chimes in. She says, hi, Blake and Mary. Just listened to the podcast before 10. Great work as always. Mary, you make me laugh every single time. And I agree with you that Luke Skelhas, well, he's good, but I find his episodes often feel uneven. And yes, slightly overwritten, often to a character detriment, and plot-driven rather than character-driven, which takes a toll on the characters. And I saw this in the Wilmington episode as well, like when Roger became a fall guy to make the writer's restructured plot work. But Luke is not 
all bad, and he contributes a lot of positives as well, which is why I say he is uneven. That being said, I'm formulating my review, but leaning into a 4 6 on this episode, and there are some things I want to address from your podcast. First okay. one, those stones are not in North Carolina. Roger is far New York, from right. North Carolina at this point. Possibly he's in New York, or at a minimum, Pennsylvania. And I think that was the point of showing Forrest Gump Roger with all the walking mon- montages, <laughs> which is getting so much so hate. Far. He's traveled very far at this point. And if you remember to the premiere, I told you how smart season one, uh, the, the season one opening was. It's to inform the audience that these places exist on certain points all over the world, including the United States, not just Craig Nadoon. It also lets you know that they were discovered and marked in ancient times. And it also gave context for this episode and others. Yeah, I mean, I don't care. If it's if it's North Carolina, South Carolina, New York, it could be in Massachusetts, it could be in friggin' Berlin, for all I care. Mm-hmm. The fact that Roger just happens to run into it is the coincidence of it all. But... You know, that, but again, it's part of the Outlander DNA. Yes. I, that, and I agree. But my point was, okay, is it kind of cheesy that he kind of, he just happens to run into it? Yeah. It is. Second, Jamie's mistake is not the fact that he's going after Bonnet. It's the secret part. Telling Brianna herself to not pursue her attacker does not mean Jamie doesn't feel Bonnet deserves justice. He just believes it's his role as her father and protector of her man's or her man's role if married to deliver it. The blood should be on his own hands, not hers. And make no mistake, Jamie is a bloody man and always will be a Highlander warrior that believes in honor. He feels responsible for every crime Bonnet has done since he helped him that day to escape. And he should have died that day. So their robbery, Leslie's death, Brianna's rape, his family's torn over being over Roger, and all of the other crimes Bonnet does to others in the world, Jamie feels responsibility in it. And he absolutely is not going to let this pass without hunting him down and delivering justice. This bear killer has been poked too many times. And third, it made me sad to hear your outlandish theory. It tells me the show has made some serious mistakes, but the epic fail is the fact that you see young Ian as an irrelevant character. You think he is disposable. And I believe he has suffered this season with the inclusion of Murtaugh, which took him off screen so much. And I know someone would pay the price. This season, I feel like it was Ian. And you should adore Ian at this point. You should see him integral to the Fraser family. I do. It's been Jamie and Claire and Ian for over two years now. And the show cut 90% of his moments. Mm. Jamie and Claire see him as their own son. And he also developed a real bond with Bree very quickly in the books. Like they were best buds. So in the podcast when you would be so willing to trade him off and lose his character, calling him irrelevant tells me the show seriously dropped the ball in this regard. Which is a true shame. And that's not on you at all you're just reacting to what they have shown you so don't get me wrong i love i love Murta and his regulator role which was a smart way to use him but endearing ian this season should have not been sacrificed for it thank god diana pushed to keep the graveyard scene in episode one at least we had that moment i totally agree i'm glad oh we gosh, had that 100 and you know the show has made ian irrelevant would you agree mary um, I will say that I'm like jaded in a good way because of the books with mm-hmm. Ian. So I don't know. I no, but like, I, the, has the show done it? Has the show done Ian justice? Has the show made him irrelevant? That's the question. Books aside. Oh, 
in many ways, yes. I mean, heck, we joke by Ian. Yes, but it's kind of th- th- there's truth in that joke. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it is what it is. Oh goodness, I just love my little Ian. I love him <laughs> so much. Uh, Tina Schneider said, "I loved this episode, but I have two points to make. First, Blake was disappointed in Jamie deciding to kill Murtaugh after the talk with Bree about rape and avenge." No, no, wait, what? She, I, I, well, first of all. I'm Ron Burgundy? That's not your fault. I'm just pu- I'm playing that for Seriously. the sake of posterity. Okay, there was not an appropriate comma. It makes it sound like Jamie decides to kill Murta. Okay, <laughs> yes. hold on. First, I uh, guys, honestly, for those of you who watched Anchorman, I literally read like Ron Burgundy. I read <laughs> as is written. So, if Go you do, F yourself, San Diego. If you do, right? Just know that um, I'm having a tough Mary time. Mary will read what's on the prompter. Yes, I do. Okay, so first, Blake was disappointed in Jamie deciding to kill. <laughs> no, no matter how you say it, it's going to be right. Blake was disappointed in Jamie <laughs> deciding to kill. <laughs> I can't read this. It keep doesn't... Going, keep going. She's saying kill Murta. It's not Murta. It's Bonnet. Is there supposed to be a comma? <laughs> I need you to read this. Tina, I love you, Tina, but this does not make sense to me. I, love, I love how you're trying to read it and make it make sense nope, to you. Nope, nope, nope. Doesn't make Deci- sense to me. She means deciding to kill Bonnet. That's what she means. Okay. And having Murta kill Bonnet. Okay. Or having Murtaugh bring... Keep reading, Blake. I'm done. No, no, you can I, keep no. going. Oh, my keep goodness. Going. But After the... the talk with Bree about yeah. rape and revenge. Go ahead. But in the book, there is a great passage about Jamie's point of view on revenge and forgiveness, helping the victim's soul. But he was not the victim of this rape. And as her father, he sees it's his place to protect her. He is reason- his reasoning made sense in the context of Jamie's inner monologue, which the show doesn't portray well for any of the characters this year. Bring back a few voiceovers oh. at times would be a genuine, uh, would genuinely help. Second, I completely agree with Blake on the overwriting, especially the lines, you're just a savage. It was unnecessary and went too far. We get it. She's angry. But come on. This isn't an overacted soap opera. Sometimes less is more. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Less less is more. Time for voicemails. Let's get it done. You ready? Yes. All right, let's do it. Hi, Blake. Hi, Mary. This Hi. is Judy from Jersey. Hi. Uh, I'm calling to comment about this week's episode. I'm going to start with my bad, and I can't get past it. I don't understand why Bree blew such a fit over Jamie and Ian beating up Roger when they thought that Roger was the person who raped her because Lizzie said that. So I know I, I, I don't understand. I watched the episode two times with my daughter, and she felt the same way. And I, it, it's the same thing with why, um, why did they make Bree and Roger argue the night of their hand fasting? It just didn't make sense. And the same applies with this. It, and I know that it, it happened in the book as well. So I just never understood that. Um, my great was, oh my God, I think that Murtaugh and Jocasta are going to get it on. <laughs> I think they're going to get married. Something. I saw something there. Um, my, my, gr- my good, I guess it's, um, I, you know what? I guess it's Ian being called an idiot by <laughs> Jamie. I cracked up with that and I saw it twice and I cracked up. It was great. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thank you very much for calling Thank in. Thank you. Absolutely fantastic. Oh, and this one, this one's coming from Angie and this next one. And and I have to play this for her. I have to preemptively play this for her. 
because I she called in last week, said that she was a new a new listener and a, a one that is first time calling in mm-hmm. to do that, and I didn't play it, and I want to apologize in advance for that, Angie. Hi, Mary and Blake. It's Angie from Columbus, Ohio. Go Bucks! Thanks for that, Blake. That was really cool. You're welcome. Um, just calling to give you my feedback about episode four ten, the Deep Hearts Core. For me, it gets 4.7 to 4.8 kilts with maybe a shot of whiskey. There's some points in the episode where I feel that it might have been a little bit weak, but overall, it's still great. My GBGs for the week, I really enjoyed the montage of the family time. I also enjoyed Bree's outrage. A lot of people on Facebook are a little like, should she have slapped them? Should she have not? But I actually really enjoy that because it shows her resemblance to Jamie of how she can't control her passion, her fierceness, her Scottishness, if you will. Um, my bad, hashtag poor Roger. I just wanted to crawl through the television and hug the man. He had a rough episode this week. Mm-hmm. But the cliffhanger was cruel, just straight up wrong. I mean, come on. I mean, lots of reminders of season one, but not fun. Great. I really enjoyed the Jamie and Bree scene discussing her rape as well as his experiences. I think that was very beneficial. Can we talk about the fact that we only have three episodes left? That's crazy. Drums of Autumn took a while to grow on me, but I'm really loving it. I think I'm going to have to rewatch all of it from episode one. Mm-hmm. Have a great day. How you, how are you feeling, Mary, about all the slapping again? Are you still are you still down on it, or are you are you okay with it now? No, I'm down. I'm okay? down on it. Hands too. are not for hitting. <laughs> That's why I tell my kids every day. Tails are not for pulling. Tails are not for pulling, and hands are not for hitting. <laughs> Hi, Mary and Blake. It's Joanna from Gloucester, Massachusetts. Yeah, Gloucester. I did this episode four point eight kilts. It's just about perfect. My good is Ian's proposal to Brianna. It's a moment in the book I thought was hilarious. And the look on Claire's face as she rolls her eyes and is clearly thinking, oh, Jesus H. Roosevelt, Christ, is priceless. The bad is poor Roger in his little hobbit outfit being dragged through the Shire for days on end. This is turning into quite the unexpected journey for him. And Blake, feel free to nerd alert me for my Tolkien references. And great is Jamie telling Bree that if she had fought on it, he would have killed her. This moment hit me like a ton of bricks. And it reminds me of the famous Margaret Atwood quote that while men are afraid women will laugh at them, women are afraid men will kill them. It's a particularly resonant idea in our Me Too time. And this scene between Jamie and Brie is difficult and heartbreaking and kudos to the show for adapting it so beautifully from the book. And on another note, ever since Murta's reappearance at Ardsmere last season, my husband and I have been wondering how the show is going to close his story loop. This week, my husband came up with an outlandish theory of his own. When Myrta goes to Wilmington to find Bonnet, Bonnet will end up killing him. As if Jamie needs any more motivation to gut Bonnet like a fish. I'm skeptical, but I suppose all any of us can say at this point is interesting. All right, that's all I've got. Oh Keep up God. the great work, you guys. If that is how they get rid of Duncan. Then, then this, there's no way it's going to happen. I think there's going to be an issue. I might cry. <laughs> yeah. I'm already crying. Well, Joanna, first of all, you're from Gloucester, which is which is great. Mary and I love the Gloucester area. Cape Ann is yes, the best. Yes, Ca- it's uh, so Cape nice. Ann is is phenomenal. And your husband with the great Outlandish Theory of the Week, you get this. Bam! Just like that, a winner. So thank you very much for that. 
Hi, Mary Blake. It's Sharon from Chicago calling about this latest episode. And I'm going to sort of jump right in here and give it a 4.9 kilts. And the reason I'm doing so is, of course, from the writer's perspective again. Um, what I love the most about this episode is Brie as a protagonist. Um, the best protagonists take control of their own lives, even if there is no control to be had. They find it. Um, Brie has found her voice in a major way. Um, she has come at Jamie. She has told everyone what they're going to do. Um, the line where she says, you don't get to be angrier than me. That's another way she's taking control. She's telling Jamie, if you want a relationship with me, this is what you're going to have to do. This, 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 and this. You're going to get my man back. And even with Claire, when Claire says, you know, I'm not leaving you. We can't do this. We can't do that. And Brie says, come up with something else then. Whew, that's what a strong protagonist does. And I could watch Brie all day long. What a great character. I also love how Claire felt like she, I could see it in her eyes. I am between two people I love the most and I don't know what to do. It's right in her face. And I know with parents, when they get involved, say a daughter or son is upset with the father or the mother, they're right in the middle. And that's a hard place to be. And I just thought Claire just did so well. And then, of course, there's Roger. But I don't have any time, more time to talk about that. Um, again, thanks for all you do. Bye. Sharon's, Sharon's streak continues. And I was worried. I was worried because I thought she was going to get cut off. Because when you get cut off, you don't get it. Nope. You can't get it. You're automatically, automatically disqualified. But Sharon's streak continues. Hi, Mary. Hi, Blake. This is Bethany from Alabama calling in to comment on the Deep Hearts Court. Um, so I wanted to see if anyone else in the Outlander cast family or you, Mary or Blake, uh, thought the same thing as I did during the episode I'm gonna see. Um, I'm a huge 80s music fan. I listen to it all the time. Um, even though I wasn't born in the 80s, I was born in the 90s, but we don't really have good music during that decade, in my opinion. So, I'm gonna go with this. Um, when Roger walked up into the same area that, of course, he doesn't know about Abondaway, but as you know, book readers and show watchers, we know that that place was a similar time-traveling area to Crignadoon. Um, but he knows about Crignadoon obviously, because that's where he traveled. But when he realizes that's a time-traveling place, you know, and he starts getting really conflicted about whether or not he should stay um, and be with Brianna or if he should go back, you know, and totally, you know, erase the fight that they had. <laughs> I started thinking about this song from The Clash called Should I Stay or Should I Go? <laughs> that's job. what started playing in my head Love it. and I couldn't keep myself from laughing even though it was such a serious moment <laughs> but it was almost like you Mary when you were talking about the Savages song yes, you know yes. from in the Savages episode so anyway <laughs> girl we got thought, you but hope you guys have a good week bye oh thank you very much thank you very much Bethany you know, you were in the circle of trust for a while, and the fact that you, you know, referenced the Clash. Thank you. That was that was nineteen eighty two. That song when that song came out, nineteen eighty two. Love it. But well the, fact, the fact that she says there's no good music from the nineties, oh out of God. the circle of trust, out of the circle of trust. In sync. Britney Nirvana. <laughs> Come on. Soundgarden. The Lion King soundtrack. <laughs> The Pocahontas soundtrack. <laughs> Savages. 
How can you tell me that this? Oh my god! Honestly, you want to know what is like the best? Britney Spears, the best. Disney soundtrack from the 90s. Oh, God. Hands down. Hercules. Hercules. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, my goodness gracious. I knew you were going to say Hercules. Oh, if you have not listened to the Hercules soundtrack in a while, my friends. What's the one with Phil Collins? He sings that. Is is that Hercules? That's Tarzan. Oh, that one was bad. That one was bad. That was all Phil Collins. That was bad. It was like, Phil Collins, please. It's like they they had success with Elton John and The Lion King, and they're like, oh, we could do the same thing with Phil Collins. He was in Genesis. They just like OD'd Phil Collins. (laughs) Tarzan doesn't sing. The only person that sings is Rosie O'Donnell. (laughs) That's it. Rosie and Phil Collins on Tarzan. Don't listen to that one, but listen to Hercules. Oh, my goodness gracious. So good. Hi there, my name is Jasmine and I'm calling from Phoenix, Arizona. This is my first time calling in. This last episode, the deep hurts core, I believe, shined when it came to that moment in the cabin where everyone learned the truth about who Jamie beat up. I thought it important to note Claire's silence in those moments between Mm -hmm. Jamie and Bree and also the blocking of the shot with everyone in the cabin frozen with awkward tension, especially when Bree calls Jamie a savage Yikes. Also, to comment on Blake's issue with Jamie, Jamie's do as I say, not as I do parenting method. I mean, Jamie's first big parenting moment comes 18 years into his daughter's life who he just met. And this whole bonnet situation is a biggie. My first big battle as a parent was trying to change a squirmy baby's diaper. Oh, yes. (laughs) Jamie just became a father, uh, really. And this is what he's been handed. So that's all I had to say. Thanks for letting me chat with you. And I look forward to hearing more of you guys in the future. Oh, thank, thank you, you very much. And welcome to the family. I am. I'm, I hope that you're happy. And changing a squirmy baby's diaper sucks. It sucks. Because <laughs> then like the pee goes everywhere. and like I told you how to avoid that. I know. Well, you got to put the thing on top you of it. You have to put the diaper wipe down first I, no i know it, it it that doesn't mean it, it sucks less <laughs> it still sucks hello from the highlands of scotland it's kirsten lang here hey kirsten giving me your take on the episode happy new year to y'all the good we ian continues to be adorable with his egypt proposal to brie he's just like a chivalrous cherub he is always trying to do the right thing and please everyone like a lovable puppy he may be in the dark house with Bree, but bless his bonny moon face for mm-hmm. trying so hard. The bad. The stramash in the cabin when Bree was doing her absolute dinger. I get she was angry, but in the name of the wee man, stop hitting everyone, lass. Pregnancy hormones and time travel have not only made her poker straight hair curl, <laughs> but turned her into a face-scalping ginger ninja. The great. Jamie not being infallible. The king of men's croon slipped a little bit and he made a hash of things in both words and deeds. Nobody's perfect, yet he's still doling out his version of justice by tasking Murta with exacting his revenge. A plate of bonnet best served called. A canny beat. That's all from me now. Cheerio. Not only have pregnancy hormones and time travel changed her straight hair to curly, pretty much. (laughs) The ginger ninja. This is why we have Kirsten. As the Hall of Fame, unanimous, unanimously voted Hall of Fame, Marion Blake, Outlander cast, 
caller. Great job. She was the first one. She was the first Hall of Fame caller. Great job. Hi, Mary and Blake. It's Jenny Graves from Burbank, California, calling back because I was cut off last week when I was leaving comments about Sam Hewen. Had nothing to do with P hands or anything like that. It's been in general about other podcasters. I've been distressed to hear other people saying over and over again how much better Sam is getting. Oh my gosh, he's getting so good. Isn't he getting better? Well, to me, he's always been great. Always. To prove it to myself, I went back and watched seasons from season one. He was amazing then, even from episode one. But can you look at the, you can always look at the Garrison Commander or Wentworth Prison episodes if you need further proof. He was awesome then. Yes, he's awesome now, and he was then. My two cents. Mock me. Uh, <laughs> this episode uh, was 4.9 kilts for me, the GBG, the good, the reunion with Murtaugh and Auntie Jocasta. I loved all of that. I loved them together. And then I loved her uh, taking Brianna in her hands and saying, my sweet girl to Brianna. I could feel the relief Brianna felt at that moment. It was oh, wonderful. Yeah. The bad, that poor jabroni stuck traveling with Roger. Who was that guy? I don't know. I just needed a little more info on how he got trapped with the Mohawk. Or maybe he was just another red shirt to prove the situation was dangerous. <laughs> I just felt bad when he died. And then my great was Claire and Brianna reminiscing about the food and conveniences mm -hmm. of the 20th century. Loved all of that. I think I'm going to get cut off. So <laughs> <laughs> She did get cut off. <laughs> you oh can't gosh. get the outstanding. I'm sorry. But you did bring up a great reference, the red shirt. Thank you very much. <laughs> Love the red shirt reference, otherwise known as a log carrier. He is a total... Okay, what was his name? Caleb? G Gabriel? Caleb. Caleb. He's a log carrier. That's all it is. It's okay. okay. It's fine. You need to have log carriers. Hey guys, it's Kalia from Australia with listener feedback for the Deep Hearts Core. Kalia? So my kilt rating is a 3.8. Uh, so my good, how Jamie showed Brie that she could not have physically stopped Bonnet. Uh, Claire and Brie's conversation about the things they miss from the modern world. Hamburgers, Led Zeppelin, flushing toilets. <laughs> my bad. Brie, 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 Brie. I have struggled with liking Brie ever since season two. Yes, she's gone through some horrible things and her life has changed majorly, but you can't tell people you're not allowed to be more angry than yourself. Jamie is rightly so angry about multiple things. Bree was raped by Bonnet of all people. He beat up the wrong man due to no fault of his own, so he'd be very angry at himself. I found that line childish. You're all angry and allowed to be as angry as you want. Leave it at that. The horrible words Bree spat at Jamie just made me yell at the TV even more. Claire, she just stood there, choosing to remain silent. So out of character. Why didn't she try to defuse the situation? Instead, she held on to Brie for dear life like she was afraid of Jamie. The slapping, very much against slapping. It seems like Brie thinks she can slap anyone she sees fit. Mm -hmm. And my great, like you, Mary, the Ridge. Can I come stay too? Yes, yes. <laughs> so the first half of the episode was good. The latter half I didn't enjoy. I just found myself yelling at the TV. Hope the neighbors didn't hear. <laughs> I hope so too. I hope so too. That's <laughs> just, just the, the slapping again. It's just redundant. Yes. That's the thing. That and again, that just redundancy is what kind of bring this episode down a little bit. Hi, Mary and Blake. Jennifer from Boxford, Massachusetts. Here. Hey. My comment is about the scene where Brianna meets Aunt Jocasta. Why was Brianna introduced as being an unwed mother-to-be? 
After all, she and Roger were handfast, which was as good as being married, right? Brianna could have simply explained that her husband had been taken captive by the Mohawk and her parents went to rescue him. This would have easily avoided any appearance of impropriety, though it would have deprived us of Jocasta's very pregnant pause and inner side eye at Brianna. <laughs> Seems like a plot device merely to set up future drama. What do you think? Thank Ma- you. Mary, what do you think? I don't know. Like, it's not a 100% legitimate like wedding mm-hmm. thing, even though it kind of counts. Um, I do agree. It's kind of like a bitter taste. And she knows that Roger was alive, too. So right. Roger's saying, I have to get back to my wife. This is where it's a little weird. Roger is like, I've got a wife. I'm hand-fasted. I'm married for a year. Wicked cool. And Bree's like... I'm single. <laughs> That's why I feel like Roger's a little bit of friend zone right now. I've been saying it this whole time. Poor Roger. He's in friend zone. He like totes thinks that she circled yes on he, the little note that Roger, passed in school. Roger's that kid that like was in college with you and he'd be like, hey, you want to study? And like you'd be like, oh yeah, sure, okay. Oh, like, I fell for that all the time. And then like, and then he'd be like, oh, oh my God, it's a date. Like we're dating. And be like, yep. and the girl's like, no, we're just, I'm using you for your I'm literally knowledge. Literally studying. <laughs> I'm just I'm literally I don't even need to talk to you. You're just sitting next to me. Oops. Put your put your MP3 player back in. <laughs> Hi Mary and Blake. Hello. It's Kathy from Cleveland. Hey Kathy. I'm kind of double dipping here because I also sent some feedback on the website. But Blake, I knew you'd be disappointed if I didn't call. So I thought I'd call with a question instead. I have noticed that Jamie seems to throw around the phrase you have my word, like it's some kind of fracking magic spell that will fix everything. <laughs> so my question to you is, which one of the Harry Potter spells does it most closely approximate? Personally, I can't decide, and I thought you guys would be the ones to ask. I can tell you immediately. Can't wait to hear your answer, and see you next week. I can tell you immediately, but you know what? I will defer my answer to Mary. No, no, no. No, I'm going to defer nope. my answer Knows to Mary this. because she is the Harry Potter nerd. She, she, you're a wizard, Harry. She is all about the Harry Potter life. So what is the, what is the spell that is most often used that you think is like Jamie's, you have my word? Oh, it's Expelliarmus. Thank you. Thank you. Overused. 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 Also, WTF, because, you know, it's lost its potency. All right, you've got Death Eaters flying after you, Harry, who are trying to kill you. They're Avada Kedavering. Stop Expelliarmus. We're throwing Avada Kedavers around like they're freaking Oprah. Stop it. What are we doing? Harry. Expelliarmus. Seriously, there's I so can, many other better spells you could be using. I can at least go for a Defendo every once in a oh, while. Oh, yes. 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 Or an Episky. Maybe fix some people's noses. No, I don't know. No episkies. <laughs> Poor episky usage. Not what you would do. You, you do need to fix Voldemort's nose. <laughs> he could use an episky. He could use an episky. <laughs> wow. The, the, the <laughs> nerd! Yep. Yep. Wow. That was, that was, uh, that gave me nerd sweats. Yep. <laughs> Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Veronica from Sunnyvale. Uh, which is just north of San Jose, California. Hi, Veronica. First time caller because uh, when I get nervous, my accent gets worse and I hate hearing it. Uh, but I really wanted to share my two grades with you guys uh, since uh, they seem to be many viewers' bads. So the first one is Jamie showing Brie why fighting her abuser wouldn't have worked. 
Uh, loved it in the book. Was so grateful the show didn't shy away from this scene. It reminded me of something that my mom did for me when I was a kid. Uh, I was extremely upset after a very um, powerful play and uh, couldn't talk about it. And my mom started picking on me um, and got me so mad that even though I was a polite a well-behaving child, I uh, yelled at her and the yelling turned into crying and she just kind of watched me and then said, do you feel better? And, you know, I did. <laughs> so, yay. Good job, Jamie. And then the second grade is Claire giving Jamie and Bree space. She doesn't tag along. She minds her own business when they talk. Uh, she doesn't interfere or even join in, which to me was just beautiful. And I even liked it that she didn't interfere uh, during the horrible, terrible breakfast scene. This was not the moment to berate Brie for her bad behavior. Um, I have no doubt that Claire and Jamie will have plenty of conversation on their road trip. But in that heated moment, uh, I was completely on Mama Claire's side for just comforting her hurting baby, who was in just too much pain to be able to use her words. So that's all I wanted to share. Thanks, guys. Love your podcast. Bye. Aww. Thanks, Veronica. Number one, never worry about your accent. Oh, my gosh. Never. Okay? Never. And like we've always said, if there's somebody that's got to worry about their accents, it's us. Yes. Okay? So never, ever, ever worry about your accent. Uh, number two. The thing about Claire, I actually agree with you. You know what that is to me? You know what that screams to me? What? Veteran mom move. Mm. Veteran mom move. Let them figure that out. Don't, don't, don't interfere. Nope. Let it happen. No. Nope. Just, if it gets bad, step in. Step in when you need to. As my therapist told me today, today <laughs> sometimes the best choices aren't doing anything at all. Right. And I was like, well, well said, lady. <laughs> Good job. Claire took that advice. <laughs> I, I'm putting this in. I have to say, I've had a few people be like, you guys joke about all the co-pays. We're never joking about oh, no. people who, as someone who honestly just saw a therapist who said that very phrase today, mm -hmm. didn't have Sassanox. Literally, just happened. Mary just went to the therapist today. <laughs> okay. we, you know how much money we spend in co-pays per month? We've got it. I don't mess. We don't mess around. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You ready to, uh, to close this bad boy yes. out? Yes. And Mary... This is for you. You okay. go, girl. Ooh. We, we are the muses, goddesses of the arts, and proclaimers of heroes. Heroes like Hercules. Honey, Honey you mean Hercules. Oh, oh, I want to make some sweet music. Our story <laughs> actually begins long before Hercules. I can't do this note. Ready? Nope. Can't do that. Back when the world was new. Got a snap when Earth was down on its stump. You know who would get this? Who? Rachel. Rachel, Rachel and her staff. Yes. She dressed up as a character from Hercules. Oh, I love that. It was a nasty place. There was a mess wherever you stepped. But chaos reigned in earthquakes and volcanoes. Here we go, guys. Get ready. And then a wall came through. See Ready? And that's the gospel truth. The gods were too type A to just relax. <laughs> and that's the world's first kiss. Yeah. Oh. I got you. Thank you for that, Mary. Though, honey, it may seem impossible. That's the gospel truth. Uh, I'm not a soprano. All right, Marvin, we got to close out the show. Oh. <laughs> okay. The other one playing Hercules. Oh, is this the goodbye music? Yes. Oh. Okay. 
<laughs> That's the gospel. Hold on, just let this roll for a second. No, 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 like low. This could be our outgoing. Okay, okay guys, we're going to roll. We're going to leave. Yes. We're not going to do um, our like iTunes review right now. We're not going to do the patron thing right now because I'm just feeling this right now. We're going to let it we, run. We're going to do our little like trailer discussion in a hot second. Blake's going to pull it up while I riff on Hercules. So you want to pull up the trailer? Uh, sure. Why not? Because that's what we're going to do. For those Hercules fans out there and you're like, this isn't even, I mean, this isn't even my favorite one, Blake. What's, what, what's your favorite one? Um... Like a kind of rock out zero to hero, when I'm feeling down. No, no. When I want you, when you, when you're feeling good and you're rocking out. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? Never mind. I, I, well, I, I got to do the trailer. I'm like, yeah, into I, the I, trailer. Got, I got the trailer right now. I got. Okay, I got can you it. make it full screen? All right. Um, okay. I can make it full screen. Here Hold go. on. Hold here on. Go. Okay. Real so time. here. All right. So we're gonna watch it for the, first, the first time through. Time. All right. So if you don't want to get spoiled, okay. If you don't want to get spoiled, you had your warning. You had your warning. Turn turn us off. But here's the trailer right now. Recognize that? They believe yeah. it's from a Mohawk village called Shadow Lake. Mr. Forbes was quite taken with you. He intends to ask for your hand in marriage. I'm sorry. I didn't tell you it was Stephen Bonnet when I knew. I need your help. If you need a bonnet, I... Sometimes people do the wrong thing for the right reasons. Oh my god, next week's gonna be so good. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people in that episode. I think wow. everybody's in that episode besides Roger. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. So we went through it. We went through the whole thing. Yeah. I saw Pippin. Pippin was in there. Oh, I love Pippin so Pippin, much. Pippin is great. Okay. AKA Lord of the Rings. Pippin. Yes. All right. Here we go. All right. We're gonna. So not now, wearing we're, Hobbit. So pants. now we'll have some uh, a little banter. A little banter. With okay. This. Okay. Here we go. Might need to hit the pause button in a hot second. Did the Cherokee recognize that? Okay. <laughs> Ian with his little oh map and the his his little his, ju- his jewelry. He, what, what was the the necklace? The puka shell. The puka. Ian with his puka shell. His proud his proud puka shell necklace. <laughs> okay. They believe it's from a Mohawk village called Shadow Lake. Mr. Forbes was. All right. Here's Pippin. He looks so old. He has aged since the ring has left him. Oh yeah. He's yeah. He well, that movie that movie was made back. Yeah, that was almost eighteen years ago. He is not the wee Hobbit that I remember. Actually, that was eighteen years ago because those movies filmed, I think, in ninety nine. And this is how I would feel if I was told that this guy wanted to marry me. I'd be like, "You're old, man. You're not Pippin." <laughs> I was told I was getting a Hobbit, a jolly Hobbit who liked to drink and dance. Uh, who, who are you? You're not a Hobbit that's a middle, dancing. You're a forty year old man. He's not like old, old, but you know what I'm saying. He's not Pippin with the curly cute Definitely hair. Definitely not Pippin. No. Quite taken by you. What happened to Elevensies? <laughs> so, oh, oh, oh. What? Looks like Pippin's got some uh, hey. some eyes for Bree. Yeah, he does. Okay, look at that. Right. Okay, here we go. He intends to ask for your hand in marriage. I'm sorry. I didn't tell you it was Stephen Bonnet when I knew. Oh, there is. There is. I need your help. Okay, right there. Okay. So, obviously, Claire and Jamie, they're going to be having some discussions on this yep. on this grand trip. Yep. We're seeing Murtaugh being like a freaking shark. Okay, he's, he's like in the CIA. He he is scoping. He's scoping out Bonnie. He does that thing with the hat when he hides your face <sighs> and he like puts it down. And then all of a sudden he lifts it up. It's like <gasps> Murtaugh. Because when I do that with hats, it's so obvious. It, it's like really bad. I know. <laughs> and then 
Um, Bree's asking for help, but it gets shot to Fergus. Yes, and then he's just walking away. Bree hasn't met Fergus. No, not yet. So that's not really who she's talking to. Yeah, obviously she's talking to somebody else. Murtaugh's talking to Fergus. Yep, I can see that. Sometimes people do the wrong thing for the right reason. Okay. John Gray's back. John Gray is back and he's at River Run. Sometimes people do the right thing for the wrong reason. What is he talking about? I have about? a wicked good outlandish theory. Tell me. I have a wicked good outlandish theory. About what he just said? Um Do the right thing for the wrong reason? Yes. Would you like the would you like the official outlandish yeah, theory of the week? We do. Okay, this is this is take development, okay? This is this is Listen, a developing this episode take. is going on for so long. Just do it. I love you. I love you dearly. These poor people have been sitting in their cars. I'm sorry. What do you want me to do? I'm just kidding. All right, take development here, okay? I can't be. I can't get take cornered for this. Bree is going to. Well, have, Julie's going to have it in your stats. So. I know. So, uh, Julie, just go with me. Bree is going to be. Uh, Bree's going to be take cornered by Pippin. Okay. And she is going to get pushed into this thing where she's like, "I don't want to. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here." So who does she finally turn? I was right back then. I was right. Who does she talk? Who does she turn to? Uh, Lord John. Lord John Gray will come to her rescue and say, "You don't have to marry this man because you can marry me. Don't marry Pippin. Marry Lord John." He's. He's better looking. He's much better looking. Yeah. He's the much better vampire. Yes. Much, much, much better. Vampire or hobbit. Obvi- Obviously, vampire. you go, you go, even the sparkly vampires. Yes. You go, you go, you go vampire every time. Yeah. Anybody that chooses hobbit, out of the circle Poor of trust. Poor choice. Unless it's Samwise. <laughs> no. Samwise. I no. love Samwise. And he had all those babies. Just don't be Frodo. Okay. Frodo is the worst. Okay. Continue. Frodo is the absolute worst. Okay. Here's the money shot. Now, did Murta have a gun? Absolutely had a gun. As Bonnet's drinking? Yeah, he tur- he was drinking, he turns around, and Murta says, hello, and he's got the gun in hand. You know, I'm not really feeling like Murta has a good sense of, sh- of uh, like, I don't feel like he's a straight shooter. I'm a little nervous. Like, he's going to miss. <laughs> Maybe he's been that drinking. That Bonnet's going to, yeah, that Bonnet's going to do nasty stuff to Murta. I'm actually very nervous in this situation. Bonnet's shady and it's de- definitely, sprightly. Definitely, the, it's, it's not favoring towards friendly for Murta. No. But I got to feel, they're not going to introduce this whole Auntie Jocasta thing with him because you know, you know they're going to get it on. They're not going to introduce that and have this one little itty bitty moment between them without building on that or giving some kind of I don't know. Moment between the two. Maybe she throws him a funeral. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. All right. Well, I'm nervous. We played some Hercules. We went over the yeah. uh, we went over the the trailer. I think that's it. We're an hour and fourteen minutes in, so it's yeah. time to cut this We're one done. short. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Guys, thanks for listening. I'm Mary. My name's Blake, and you've been listening to Outlander Cast. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.